great to be here with you. Thanks for surviving the crazy snow and blizzards out there just to make it. On Monday and Tuesday, I was in Fort Worth, Texas with Chris and Chelsea. It was 80 degrees, sunny. We were out in a hammock in the backyard throwing a football around, and I came home to this. Hallelujah, Jesus. So good to be back home, though, and be with you guys. Uh, If you have your Bibles, just grab them and and turn to John chapter 18. We're going to jump into the Word this morning. And uh, I'm just excited to talk to you about Jesus. Found out 24 hours ago I was going to be able to share with you, and it's like, okay, I get to talk about Jesus. You don't need to have, I mean, preparation is great, and I love to be prepared, but it's like, you know what, I get to talk about Jesus and you know what, Jesus, you're going to do the rest. You're going you're gonna to make it happen. So our hearts as leaders, as, as if you couldn't tell already, <laughs> oh, so good. I loved our worship time. It was fantastic. If you couldn't tell already as leaders, our heart and passion is for people to encounter Jesus, for people to experience him tangibly in a real and powerful way. We do not serve a dead God. We do not serve a, a theory. We do not we do not preach just a, a series of teachings and doctrines. We, we, we celebrate, we live for, we surrender to, we, we follow a, a, an alive, real God who made everything and who is everything. He is alive today. And, and, and we celebrate his life and we give him our lives in exchange for, for all of who he is. And we went out in that exchange in a big way. And so our hearts always is to represent him well always to lead you to him, that you encounter him, that you experience him for yourself, and that you may know him. Not that you may know about him. We don't want to just give you information. We want you to know him. We want you to experience him. I'm telling you, if you know him, everything in your life will fall into place. If you pursue him every day with all that you have and you give him your life, everything in your life will fall into place. Breakthrough is wonderful, but he is breakthrough. And you can live in a place of breakthrough every day, all day long, because you are in him and with him and knowing him. And that's what we're about. That's what we want for everyone here. All right, so simply, the title for the message today is He Is. He Is. Because He Is. And we're going we're gonna to elaborate on that in just a moment. John 18 says, Jesus, okay, before I'm sorry, before I read this, again, 24 hours. At this passage in Scripture, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He is about to be led, led away and crucified. He is in a garden called Gethsemane with his disciples. He'd been, been with them for Passover, and he has been praying for them, for us, been praying to the Father. It's a powerful moment, and you should definitely look at that in Scripture. And right after all of that, He's with his disciples and a mob, a a group of soldiers, Pharisees, Judas, one of his disciples who's betrayed him, is coming to arrest Jesus to take him to be crucified. And so here we are in John 18, in verse 4, this is where we're, we're picking up. It says, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them. He went out into the mob. He went and presented himself in front of them and said, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am He, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Think about it. The power of God shows up in a moment, and these people fall to the ground. And again he asked them, who is it you want? 
Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. I want to also read in 1 John, 1 John chapter 1 and in verse 1. And it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to you to make your joy complete. Father, I just ask that every person here, under the sound of my voice, would encounter you today. If they haven't already, Jesus, I ask that they would see you and encounter you in your word today, that we would be changed, that we would be challenged, and that we would become more like you, Jesus, in every area of our lives. We just give you all glory and praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I really do not like shopping. Just confessing that, just being transparent with you. I do not like to go shopping. When I go shopping, this is the mentality, this is the mindset. I'm going to go to the one place that I know where pretty much everything I'm going to be looking for is. I'm going to go get it, and I'm going to leave. I don't go to five or six different places to price compare to make sure I get the right place, the right deal, the right thing. I know what I want. And I know where it is, and I go get it, and I pay for it. Even if I pay $5 more, $10 more than the other store across the mall or the other store across town, I'd rather get it for $10 more and go in one place and in and out in very little time. This is, this is my mentality. This is why I love a place like Costco. Can I get an amen for Costco? You can literally go to Costco and get anything in life. You can get your tires changed. You can buy a TV you, you can get your, a new toilet. You can get something to fix your toilet. You can get the food that you, you need to put stuff in the toilet. You can get everything. Costco is amazing. I, it's, it's incredible. Like, everything is there. And often we go to a Costco, and we get enamored with all of the stuff that we could get there, and we don't actually walk away with an appreciation for the place. It's like, wow, this is awesome. I got this TV. Man, I got this new workout equipment. Man, I got this new basketball hoop for my kids. Man, I got all this food. I got it all in one place. It's phenomenal. It's called Costco. And, and we're, we just get so excited with, with all this stuff, but we don't actually realize that it was facilitated for us by this place called Costco. And we can go to a buffet. Can I get an amen for a buffet? We can go to a buffet and we can get Chinese food, we can get Italian food, we can get seafood, we can get salads, and we can get dessert right next to each other. Hallelujah. I don't really go to buffets a lot anymore because I don't want to kill myself by eating too much. But I used to go all the time. My grandparents on both sides of my family would take us to buffets every time we went out to eat when I was a kid. Like buffets, sizzlers, izzies, you name it, buffets. And I ate way too much as a kid. Thank God for a high metabolism. I don't really have that much anymore, so I don't go to buffets. But the idea is, again, you get enamored with the selection. You get enamored with the, the quantity of stuff, and it's like, man, that pizza was awesome. Man, that steak was awesome. I can't believe I got this in the same place. You know, like all of these things, and we get enamored with the stuff and not always 
with the, the source or where it comes from. And often I feel like it's the same with Jesus. In our lives and in the church especially, we, we, we go after Jesus for the bennies, for the stuff, and, and hoping that we get this, you know, this joy, we get this love, we get this freedom, we get this breakthrough, we get this provision, we get this healing. We go after Jesus for this stuff, and we often miss the person who is it. The person who is healing. The person who is breakthrough, the person who is provision, the person who is peace, the person who is love and hope. Like often we're looking for things in Jesus, but not actually looking for him, looking at him, beholding him, pursuing him, wanting to know him. And often we also have people all over our world, all over this planet, that are searching for something, searching for someone, hoping for satisfaction and fulfillment and all the things that we want or need in this life of, of true knowing of love, of, of peace, of joy, of, of healing, of life. And, and we pursue all the wrong things. We, we try to find it in substances of alcohol and drugs. We try to find it in people. We try to find it in sex. We try to find it in money. We try to find it in careers and success. And we never actually will find it because it's only in him. It's only in him. And, and I often read this passage in John 18 that we open up with. And it, to me, it's a prophetic moment. It's a prophetic uh, statement. And it's just so profound and powerful to me how people are coming to arrest Jesus. They're looking for him. And he steps up in front. He doesn't run away. He doesn't go hide. He doesn't throw Peter and James and John in front of them and try to cower in the back. He comes up in front of all of them and says, who is it you want? Who are you looking for? And I feel like Jesus is crying out for that all the time to all of humanity. What is it you want? Who are you looking for? What do you want? Because I'm it. I'm he. I'm the one. I'm the one you're looking for. And in that moment, the soldiers, the Pharisees who hated him, who wanted to kill him, the Judas who betrayed him, they fall out under the power of God. It's amazing. Blows my mind every time I read it. And they get back up. And they say, we're looking for you again, Jesus. And they end up arresting him. Think about it. You can experience God. You can, ex you can feel his presence and still not know him. And still not know him. These guys got blasted by the power of God. They fall down. And they didn't know him. I love 1 John chapter 1 because John, who wrote, in John 18, also the same one who wrote in 1 John 1, he talks about experiencing Jesus. That which we have heard, that which we have seen, that which we have felt, that which we have tangibly experienced is the one I am writing to you about. And I want, in a sense, he is basically revealing who Jesus is from a personal experience, from a personal encounter. John was the only one that was left at the foot of the cross when he saw Jesus die. The only, only disciple, there was ama amazing women there. Jesus' mom was there, Mary Magdalene, and many more were there were witnessing that. But John was the only disciple that was there at that moment. And he saw it happen. And he was one of 500 who saw Jesus alive after he raised from the dead. Over fi 500 witnesses saw Jesus after he died and raised from the dead that he was alive again. And they did not preach information. They did not go around telling people information to get head knowledge and just to try to debate with people. They were sharing from encounter. They were sharing from an experience of seeing and knowing and, and hearing from the real Jesus who is alive. 
And too often we settle for head knowledge. Too often we just want information. Too often we just want to just appease our conscience by just attending a church service or going to a conference instead of actually desiring to know Jesus. In this passage, John says, that which is from the beginning speaks that Jesus is eternal. No beginning or end, that the infinite became finite for us. He came to humanity. It reveals that Jesus is God. He's not just another person. He's not a historical figure. He's not a metaphor. He is God who came in the flesh. In this passage, Jesus is referred to as the word of life, the life, and the eternal life. This is an amazing statement. It blows, blows me away because the point is very clear. Jesus is not just saying that he has eternal life. He's not just pointing the way to eternal life. He is saying here that Jesus is life itself. Jesus is eternal life. The person of Jesus is eternal life. Jesus is salvation. Salvation is a person. Salvation is not just a prayer you pray at an altar. Salvation is not just a moment that you have at an altar somewhere in a a service. Salvation is a person. It's a relationship with Jesus that you pursue every day and that you're given your whole life to go after. That's what salvation is. That's what life is. Jesus is life itself. Every other religion, and every other religion in the world, the founder of that religion is trying to point a way to eternal life. Here in this passage, John makes it very clear that Jesus, because he is God that came in the flesh, he isn't pointing to it. He is it himself. He is eternal life. It is only found in him. It is no, there is no other source for life. Jesus loved to reveal who he was to people. He loved to say who he was and what, what he was to people. He, he, he had many different statements throughout the book of John that John recorded for us. And he loved to share that. Again, who is it that you're looking for? I, I just hear the heart of, the, of Jesus all the time in that verse. Who is it you're looking for? What are you looking for? And Jesus loves to say things like, I am the bread of life. I am your source and your sustenance. I am your provision. I am life. I am the light of the world. I am your direction. I am your illumination. I am, I am your destiny. I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. I am the access point to the Father, to the presence of God, for you to know who you really are and for you to know God and be able to be in his presence and not die. He is that door. He is all of these things. He is the true vine, the way to true fruitfulness. He is it. This is who Jesus is. He is life itself. He is salvation. He is healing. He is peace. He is love. He is joy. And often we search for the thing and not the person. We go to church hoping to receive the thing, whatever it is, the freedom, the healing, the joy, the peace, the love. We're not coming for him. We're not waking up in the morning to get to know him. We're just hoping that if we're, we're faithful to do our devotions and pray and read our Bible, that Jesus will bless our lives. It's about knowing him. It's about experiencing him, encountering him. When you have him and you know him, as we, as we worshiped and sang today, what do I have need of? I got you, Jesus. I got you. John goes on to describe the point for which Jesus came, that we may have fellowship with God, with Jesus. The reason that Jesus came was that we could know him, not know about him, but actually really know him, really know him as the closest of friendships. Jesus doesn't want a religion. Jesus didn't come to establish Christianity as a religion. He came to establish an access point for relationship with God forever. 
It's about relationship. It's about knowing him. And in truly knowing him, as it says in this passage, you will have true joy. You will have joy in knowing him. If you're here today and, and you're having a difficult time based upon maybe circumstances or seasons of life or things that you're going through and you're struggling to maintain joy, I'm telling you, go to him. Pursue him with all that you have. He is joy. He is life. He is everything you need. And in him, you will have joy no matter the circumstance. Paul says, whether I'm in prison, whether I have plenty, whether I have little, I can be content, I can be in joy at all times, for he who is the one who gives me strength. He, he found strength, he found stability in his life, he found security, he found peace in his life, and joy in his life, because he knew Jesus, who is joy. You see, when you know Jesus, it transforms you. It, it completely changes you from the inside out. Because in him, you discover who you are. When you get to know him, you also get to know who you are. It's an amazing thing. You, you're pursuing him to know him, and then all the while he's revealing himself to you, but he's also revealing yourself to you. The real you, who you really are in him. I want to read this passage. It's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. I, I encourage you to, to dive into this passage. I don't have enough time to elaborate on it. It's just packed full of goodness. Colossians 1.15, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. I could just read that right there and preach on that for a decade. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. He is. He is. He is. He is. It's, just, it's just amazing. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. You were once an enemy because of your own mindsets, because of your own behavior. You were once an enemy of God, but now because what Jesus has done for you, his blood shed on the cross, taking your place, becoming sin for you so that you could be made righteous, he now considers you a friend. He now considers you a brother. Now you're a son or a daughter of God. Now you can receive forgiveness. You can receive righteousness. You can be reconciled to God. You can be redeemed, restored, set free, all of it in Jesus. And now that you recognize who he is, that he is the image of God, he is the image of the invisible God, and that you recognize who he is, and you see who he is, and that he has supremacy of all, over all things, and everything is about him. And then now all of a sudden you begin to see who you are. You're holy, without blemish, free from accusation. All of a sudden I'm redeemed, I'm restored, I'm free in Jesus. And anything else that contradicts that is a lie. 
Because he is truth, and the truth sets you free. And so when you receive truth, when you receive the person of truth, now you recognize what he says about you, and you recognize who you are. People try to find their identity in so many things, in their careers, and how much money they have, in their success, in their kids, in their families, in their possessions, in their looks. They find identity in all these things. And your true identity is only found in knowing him. Only found in knowing him. And when you know who you are and whose you are, man, all the issues that we often struggle with in life, they are resolved quickly. You got to believe it. You got to receive it. When you know him, it transforms you from the inside out. It transforms you internally. It becomes very, very personal to you. I want to read another passage of scripture, Psalm 16. I'm, I'm just sharing passages of scripture with you that I've just been chewing on and reading and meditating on for the last several weeks that have just been rocking me and I just finally get to share them with you because I'm not in a series. It's wonderful. Psalm 16 verse 5 says, you alone are my portion and my cup, my inheritance, my prize, my pleasure, my portion. I added that in. This is in a sense like an amplified or passion translation added into piece here. In a sense, you're my portion, you're my prize, you're my pleasure, you're my portion. Everything, Jesus, is about you. You're everything for me. You're my everything. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise you, Lord. Oh, excuse me. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. If, you, if you're needing counsel, he is wisdom. He is wisdom. Yes, as leaders, we want to talk to you, we want to help you, we want to meet with you, but where do we get wisdom? From him. You can go to him too. I keep my eyes, verse 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. If your life is shaken right now, if you're feeling shaken, where are your eyes? Where are your eyes? What are you beholding? What are you looking at? What are you focusing on? Where's your gaze? Therefore, because my eyes are always on the Lord, therefore my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body will rest secure. Because I'm beholding him, because I'm pursuing him, because I know him, uh, my heart is glad. I have joy. I have peace. I'm secure. I can rest at night. Why? Because he is rest. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy with eternal pleasures at your right hand. In his presence, in being in the presence of God, because of what Jesus has done on the cross and dying for us and raising from the dead and sending the Holy Spirit, now we can be in the presence of God all the time. He is with us all the time. He can be in you because of salvation of, of the person of Jesus coming and his spirit resting in you, making his home in you. You can be in the presence of God all the time. And when you're in his presence, the fullness of joy takes place. He is fun. I might be very intense right now, but I'm smiling on the inside. I'm very happy. I know this is a passionate word, but, like, I am not upset. I am not angry. I am just full of fire for Jesus. Like, like I, joy. My wife, if my wife was here, she'd be like, tell your face that you're happy. I'm really happy. 
If you know me, you know that I'm almost always happy. In his presence is fullness of joy. See, when you encounter the real Jesus, when you encounter the real Jesus, you realize that it demands more than you thought, but that it offers more than you can imagine. He demands more than you thought, but he offers more than you can imagine. Jesus wants all of you for all of him. That's freedom. If you want to know how to get free in your life, it's all of you for all of him. He asks of us for our lives, for our hearts, but I'm telling you what we receive in him is way better. When you receive Jesus, when you encounter the real Jesus, it disturbs you. It wrecks you. There is no room left for indifference. You either reject him totally or you accept him fully. You can't have the in-between. When we, when we come to Jesus and we are in a place of knowing him, we are not adding him into a piece of all that we are already doing and a part of. Uh, well, this Jesus thing can sometimes be inconvenient, so I'll just try to incorporate it into everything else I'm doing in my life and, and just try to make it work with all the other things in my schedule. That's not what it's supposed to be like. He comes and he takes the center of everything, and now everything revolves around him. And now if it doesn't fit with him, it doesn't fit at all. You can't add Jesus in. You must obliterate the old. When you receive Jesus, you don't all of a sudden receive a self-improved you. You don't receive a little bit of improved you. You receive a brand new you. The old is dead. The old is gone. You're a new creation in him. Quit trying to improve the old you. It's dead. Let it go. It's been washed in the sea of forgetfulness. It's washed in the blood of Jesus. It's dead. Everything new. Jesus wants to obliterate the old. You can't add him in. Last thought. In knowing him, it transforms how we live. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 says, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I'm not doing just to help my conscience. I'm not doing just to get a pat on the back. I'm not doing for others just so others can see what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not doing uh, just because I feel guilty or I feel condemned or shamed if I don't do it. I'm doing because I know him. I'm doing from a place of intimacy, from a place of knowing who I am in him. I'm not doing to try to prove myself or prove my identity. I'm doing it because I know who I am in him because I know him. I want to read the same passage in the Passion Translation. It says, but the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. We can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God, which is the point, which is what it's all about. Not just by saying, I am intimate with God but by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. 
at the Promise Church, as your pastors and leaders, we will never lower the standard that Jesus paid on the cross for. We will never compromise the gospel that we are called to walk like Jesus did on this planet. Jesus walked in purity and he walked in power. He walked in healing. He walked in signs, wonders, and miracles. Salvation happened around him and through him. He walked in it all. And he says, those who believe in me, they will do greater works than I have done. Those who believe in me, these signs will follow them. They will cast out demons. They'll heal the sick. They'll raise the dead. We will never, never settle and never stop pursuing that for ourselves. We will represent him in purity, in character, in righteousness. And we will represent him in power. We won't stop. No matter what tension or friction we receive, no matter what persecution we receive, we won't stop. Why? Because we've encountered him. We know him. We know the real Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't just heal in the Old Testament. He didn't just heal when he walked on this earth. He heals today. The same Jesus who can save you is the same Jesus today who can heal you. He wasn't just the deliverer for the Israelites. He didn't just cast out demons and deliver when he walked on this earth. He delivers today. He provides today. He saves today. He is it. He is salvation. He is deliverance. He is healing. And it hasn't changed. We make it change in our minds because we base who he is off our experience. Instead, we need to experience who he really is. I will never forget, at 11 years old, part of this church and the old building crossed the river. Power of God is moving powerfully in our church. And they have a prayer line across the whole front of the, sanctuary, front of the stage. And I, at 11 years old, said, Jesus, if this is really real, I want to know. And I got up in the prayer line. The leaders who were praying for people are down at the far end. I'm like in the middle. And I just remember closing my eyes, putting my hands out, and saying, I want to know if this is real, Jesus. And I woke up on the floor, and I'd been down there for an hour. No one prayed for me. No one touched me. That's an encounter I have lived with for the rest of my life, and I will live with for the rest of my life. I, I know that he's real. And I, I, my passion every morning I wake up is to experience him, to know him, to encounter him every moment, every day. What are you beholding? Where are your eyes? What are you fixating on? What are you focused on? telling you the things in our, in our world will not satisfy. They will not bring fulfillment. I don't think it was an accident that the Super Bowl that last Sunday was the worst football game ever. <laughs> ever. I've watched way better games at Woodland. Way better games. Why? Because people find their fulfillment, their satisfaction in sports, in football. And God's like, oh, really? Okay. Here, have fun with this one. Going to Costco to get your toilet fixed because of how bad it was. He is everything that you need. He is life itself. He is eternal life. He doesn't point the way. He is the way. Do you know him today? I wasn't just wanting to list off a bunch of names of God and who he is to give you information about him. My, my heart, my prayer, my desire is that you encountered him today, that you experienced him today. You experienced his presence, his love, his peace, his joy, his freedom today.
Let's all stand together. Maybe you're in this place and you don't have a relationship with God. You don't know him. I want you to know that God is pursuing you. He loves you so much. He gave everything for you. Jesus went in front of his disciples and presented himself to those soldiers. Why? Because he willingly laid his life down for us. No one took it from him. No one made him do it. He wanted to do it. And he says, I will give everything of who I am so that I can have an experience of relating to you, of knowing you. He, he showed you your value by giving his entire life for you. He loves you so much. He laid his life down for you, and he wants you to know him. If you're here today and you don't know God and you want to begin a journey of relationship, a journey of friendship with him, just ask that you raise your hand. Say, I want to know Jesus. I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about because he's real. He's alive. I felt something I felt something stirring in my stomach. I felt like cold sweats. I felt heat. I felt like goosebumps, hair standing back on the back of my neck. I felt something in this place today, and it's real, and I want to know this Jesus. If that's you, your heart's racing super hard, it's probably you. If that's you, just raise your hand. We just want to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. I just want us to take a moment, everyone in this place, to close your eyes and be just you and Jesus. Just begin to express your heart to him. Just begin to tell him how thankful you, for, uh, you are for who he is, for what he's done for you, for who you are in him. Just begin to, just begin to love on him. Just begin to thank him. Just begin to say, Jesus, I love you. I thank you so much for giving your life for me. I thank you so much for who you are. You are my portion. You are my pleasure. You are my everything. You are life itself. You are my life. You are peace. You are joy. You are love. Just begin to tell him. Just begin to worship him in your own words. Just begin to thank him for what he's done for you. Thank you, Jesus, thank you that I'm redeemed. I'm restored. I'm new in you. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. I've been forgiven. I'm saved in you. Jesus, I thank you that your power is in me. To, for miracles, signs, and wonders. Just begin to thank him. And just begin to tell him that you want to know him more, that you want to go deeper. We can move forward this year in 2019. We can desire to move forward in a lot of things, in community, in finances, and evangelism, and so many things. But if we're not moving forward in knowing him and having intimacy with him, we're going to miss things. He is it. If we're in community and communion with him, man, community with other people become so much better. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you that you love us so much, that you first loved us, that you came, Jesus, to reveal the Father to us, to die for us, to, to make us righteous in you, that we're redeemed, we're holy, we're without blemish, free from accusation. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you that we can find out who we really are in you. And Lord, I ask for all of us to be full of a hunger and a humility and a passion to pursue you and to know you and to represent you to the world properly. God, that we would represent you in our purity and in our power and in, in miracles, signs, and wonders, God, that people would come to know you and encounter you because we truly represent the authentic, real gospel. We thank you, Jesus.
Amen, amen.